we got plenty of workers in there this morning. We knew that we would have a special day. So it is Mother's Day, and uh, it's a special opportunity for you to recognize your mom. So I'm going to recognize my mom, right? She is a fantastic lady. She's sitting with us today, and um, she and my father were unbelievers and so she was a um we were raised in the lord with them being raised in the lord and she is a servant and has a servant heart but the most important thing that she has done in my life is shown me the love that christ has for me and i thank you for that mom It's not an easy task being a mom, I'll tell you that. Uh, The role in the life of your children, whether they're your biological children, whether they're your adopted children, or whether they are your spiritual children, the Lord has given you moms a precious treasure. Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that, right? But truly, they are a gift. And truly, children, your mothers are a blessing from the Lord as well. Praise the Lord for you mothers who have invested in your children. Uh, that word invested, it, it, it carries weight for me recently. I've been thinking through this word investment. You can invest in stocks. You can invest in a business. You can invest in your work. And mothers, when you take the time to invest in your children, you will see the gospel rise up and the gospel bear fruit in the life of your child. I do want to recognize today that today could be a very difficult day for some as um, it can bring about a lot of feelings that are not lost upon us as leadership here and us up, upon us as a church as we gather together, we, we want you to know that we are praying for you. We, we, we know that there are some who have lost their mother in the last year or, or even recently. And we want you to know that we are praying for you. That God's peace will come upon you. We also know that there are some in this room um, who are planning to be mothers or wanting to be mothers, and the Lord has not granted them that opportunity yet. And we are praying for you as well as you walk that road, which we see in the Bible, um, a curse of the sin of the earth, but we know that our God is a great provider, and we will be praying for you. As we celebrate mothers, we also remember those together. So let me, let me pray for you mothers and pray for those in our room today. And uh, 
We have a gift for you at the end. Uh, Anybody over the age of college age, we have a gift for you women as you even uh, mother God's children, spiritual children in the Lord. So let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for all the mothers that we have in this room this morning. We thank you for your peace upon them, this crazy life that we live in right today. We thank you for taking the opportunity, Father, to come with their families this morning to hear the word of the Lord. May they be encouraged by your word and your truth. Father, may they wake up every morning knowing that their life matters in the kingdom of God. That their investment in their children matters for your glory. Lord, help them, Father, give them strength, give them patience, give them wisdom as they walk through all of these things that we walk through on this earth. And as we look forward to one day in the new Jerusalem and the new heavens and the new earth where we will walk together with our God. But Father, on this earth, we pray that you would give us strength by your Holy Spirit to be mothers and fathers who do what you've called us to do, raising our children in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're in our series, um, Christ in All of Scripture, and we're taking uh, a passage of Scripture from every Old Testament book and preaching the central theme of that book and also how it relates to Christ and his Church, not an easy thing, but we are in the book of Ezekiel. Some of you maybe have never even opened your Bible to the book of Ezekiel, but that's great because you're going to study it today and hopefully you'll learn something and God will transform our hearts and minds according to his likeness through the book of Ezekiel. Amen? The major prophets are coming with it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they are coming into your living room. They are not joking around with their prophecies and their thus saith the Lord to his people. They're also showing us God's plan of salvation. Even in the midst of the wickedness of sin and rebellion, God has a plan for his creation. Last week we saw the prophet Jeremiah preaching that judgment is coming. That it will be through the waters of God's judgment that he will bring about his salvation. As he brings about something called the new covenant. One in which he will forgive sin and iniquity. We know that that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The question that Ezekiel answers about the new covenant, is why? Why would God bring his people back to bring about their salvation? We must really ask that question to ourselves this morning because it relates to how we live our life. Why will God save his people? Why will God save you? Why will God bring a wicked and rebellious and sinful people back to himself? Why will he do that? 
You see, God would be justified in letting go of an idolatrous people who have rejected him. Yet he does not, and he tells us why. Spoiler alert, it's for the glory of God. That's what the title of the sermon is this morning, for the glory of God. Now you may say to yourself, man, that's self-centered that this God acts for his own glory. If we were to say that I'm about to do this for my glory, it would probably not be a good thing, would it? Yet, this is what makes God, God. He is righteous, and all the fullness of glory dwells within himself. Therefore, he must act for his own glory. There is no other glory. If he was to give his glory to another, he would no longer be called God. He would no longer be worthy of all the worship and praise. Let me tell you, for the glory of Rob is not very good. It will turn out pretty bad pretty quickly. Thus, God acts for his own glory, his perfect good and holiness. You see, the act of creation itself was for his glory. So he created us to display the wonderful beauty of himself. That's why it says that we were created in his image. So when we sin, we sin against God, robbing God of his own glory. Because we were created to reflect The goodness, the grace, the mercy, the kindness of God himself. So when we sin, we're distorting the glory of God. The word echoes into our ears, be holy for I am holy. Now when you read that, you think to yourself, man, he wants us to be holy. That's a pretty big task, isn't it? Be holy, for I am holy. But if he created us to reflect his image, that makes perfect sense. Be holy, for I am holy. Therefore, we live for the glory of God because God cares about his name. Now, during the time of Ezekiel, God's people whom he had set his name upon. My people, Israel, are not living for the glory of God. They have rebelled against the Lord. They have set up idols in their homes, in their places of worship. They have rejected the Lord God Almighty. They have rejected his word through the prophets. And they are living their life for their own glory. And sometimes for the glory of of other gods. Now he sends his prophets, one of them being Ezekiel, to pronounce the coming judgment, to turn their hearts back to him, but the coming judgment is coming, and therefore Babylon comes to Jerusalem. The king Jehoiakim surrenders, and the line of David is done. 
He surrenders, and 10,000 of the people of Jerusalem, their best and their brightest, are taken out of the city in which God has put his name, the temple in which God is placed, the kingship of King David in which he, he has said he will establish his reign forever, is gone. They take him to Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon now sets up Zedekiah to be the puppet ruler in Jerusalem. Now what will happen later is Zedekiah will rebel against Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar will burn the city to the ground. And this is where we find Ezekiel as one of the 10,000 that has left Jerusalem. He's a priest and he has left Jerusalem and he finds himself in Babylon with the exiles, with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all the great ones are now in Babylon And chapter 1 of Ezekiel begins with what looks like a mobile throne. As Ezekiel tries to describe the glory of God. Okay? If you ever read chapter 1 of Ezekiel, it's quite humorous as he tries to quite possibly, impossibly describe the glory of God. Okay? He cannot do it, but he tries to do it. And there's a lot of wheels within wheels and it's very difficult to understand. I'm going to spare you of that. But he tries to describe the glory of God and he makes sure you understand that the glory of God is now in Babylon. Next to the place he calls the Kaibar Canal. He describes the glory of God like a rainbow. Rainbow came after God's judgment. And now the rainbow, the glory of God, is now coming in the midst of God's judgment upon his people as they are in exile in Babylon. The question is, what is the glory of God doing at the Kaibar Canal in Babylon? Is it not supposed to be in Jerusalem in the, in the city of David, where God has placed his name upon his people, in his temple. In chapter 8 of Ezekiel, there's a vision of the glory of God leaving the temple of Jerusalem. Ezekiel describes this, and he proclaims that this will happen as the destruction of Jerusalem will happen and Nebuchadnezzar burns it to the ground. But even in this vision of God's glory leaving the temple, right before it, there's this vision of idolatry set up inside the place of worship of God himself. The people, the elders, the leaders are worshiping these false gods. They're committing abominations in the temple of God. And God will not share his glory with another. And the vision concludes with God's glory leaving the temple in Jerusalem only for that temple to be completely destroyed. So God's glory shows up in the Kaibar Canal in Babylon. Why? Because God is not done with his people. 
Jeremiah told us that God will work through a new covenant to fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promises to David, but Ezekiel answers the question for us. And I think it's relevant to us, why? So let's read for the glory of God here in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22. If you'll turn in your Bibles there, we stand in honor of reading God's word as we'll stand together and read this glorious passage of scripture. If you've never read it before, you're in for a treat. Verse 22 of Ezekiel chapter 36. Therefore says, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Amen. You can be seated. Father, we thank you for your word. May you illuminate to us what we need for this day for your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the greatest joys of being a mother is that you get to take care of another human being. But one of the most difficult things about being a mother is that you get to take care of another human being, right? You invest your life into someone who you are responsible for. You're responsible for feeding that child, providing love to that child, teaching them right and wrong, helping that child develop in every area of their life, find passions, find skills, find joy, fighting through struggles, the pain, comforting them amidst all of life's journeys. But most importantly, you get to show them who their God is. Know that that there is joy in parenting. A lot of success when you see your children, even your grandchildren, grow up. But in the middle of the forest, we can sometimes get lost in the trees. When the child spits up on you for the fifth time that day, or they aren't sleeping that well for a month, maybe two, or maybe they're all grown up as a teenager now and they haven't said anything nice to you in weeks, that can zap the life out of you. Let's just throw in a pandemic and homeschooling and all the other things too, okay? And we might think to ourselves, why are we doing this? 
There's a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called Do Everything, in which the song begins like this. You're picking up toys on the living room floor for the 15th time today, matching up socks, sweeping up lost Cheerios that got away. You put a baby on your hip, color on your lips, and head out the door. Well, I may not know you, I bet I know you. Wonder sometimes, does it matter at all? Well, let me remind you, it all matters. Just as long as you do everything you do to the glory of the one who made you. It's a good song. should listen to it often. There's a line in there that says, wonder sometimes doesn't matter at all. A lot of people are asking that question. I'm a pastor. A lot of people are asking that question lately. Does it matter at all? We're asking that question quite a bit in our world today. And the exiles in Babylon are asking that question. Does it matter now that the temple is destroyed? Does it matter that we, God's people, live in a foreign land. Maybe you, like these exiles, are like Ezekiel, hard-pressed, stressed, and depressed. Maybe you need God to do what he did here in Babylon and as he addressed the oppressed so that they could show them how they could be blessed. Amen? Maybe this morning you need to be reminded that God's story doesn't end with our failure. God in his grace and his mercy transforms his people for his glory. It's not because you're deserving of that. It's not because you're good. It's not because you work hard at it. It is because of his glory and he does it. In the story of Ezekiel, God reminds his people that he will bring them back from the dead. He tells them why he will give them a new heart, place the spirit within them, cause to dwell in the land that he has given them. It is all because of his glory. He will do this all for his glory. May you be reminded this morning that your life matters in the kingdom of God for his glory. Glory. Verse 22, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, God is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and by which you have profaned among them, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. This is our first point this morning is thus. God will make his name known among the nations. God will make his name known among the nations. Verse 22 begins with the word therefore and we must understand what the therefore refers to. So let's go back a little bit to verse 16. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, 
when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like that of uncleanliness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. Whoa. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land for the idols with which they had defiled it. God wants you to feel all the feels when you read your Bible, all right? I'll let you feel that for a moment. I'd rather not explain it, but God's wrath comes upon his people because they were defiling the land that he had given to them. It was disgusting in God's sight what the people were doing. So what does he do? He scatters them among the nations. He casts judgment upon his own people whom he loves. In verse 19, he says, I scattered them among the nations. They were dispersed through the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds. I judged them. But there's a problem. These are God's people whom he has placed his name upon, whom he has promised to Abraham that they would be a blessing to all nations. He had promised to David that the throne of David would last forever. So what will happen? These are God's people whom he has placed his name. Verse 20, but when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that the people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations by which they came. So God judges his people. They have to leave the land because of their defilement of their God, their worship of idols, their wickedness amongst their own people. And the nations are now saying, "Uh, I guess this God is not very good. I guess he's not very strong because his own people can't even stay in their land. I guess the gods of Babylon are more powerful than him. Wow. Mm. I want you to notice a couple things. God's name is associated with his people. When we are baptized, we baptized Kai this morning. Steve did a fantastic job, by the way. But when we baptized Kai, we said... I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's significant. We're not just saying that. We are identifying as God's people. We are identifying with the name of Jesus. We are being baptized into the name of Christ. God's name is associated with his people, his church. The second thing I want you to understand here is that God's, forget that I just said that. I want to, the second thing I want you to understand is this. 
Your sin matters to a holy God. How many times do we say, oh, nobody's going to know? Nobody, nobody knows what I do. You're defiling the name of God because he has placed his name upon you, the people of God. Your sin matters to a holy God. He has created you in his image. Weakness in God's people reflects weakness upon God's name. So when we get to the therefore, we understand what it is therefore, right? Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which you have profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. God will make his name known among the nations through who? Through his people. Sound familiar? Those whom he has taken from death to life, those who are in exile and who are brought into the family of God, those who are far from God and now brought near to him, who are given his spirit, it is the gospel. Now you know why God died on the cross. The gospel is not about you. It is about him. His glorious salvation for you is for his glory. This is why God's salvific work does not end by you saying a prayer. It is a life transformation in every area of your life because our salvation is to live for the glory of God. He has saved you. Now he's transforming you to live according to his glory. And he wants to show you off to the nations to declare how great a God is. Philippians 1, 6 says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Mm. He's going to begin it, and he's going to bring it to completion. God is making his name known among the nations through his transformative work in and through your life. And how will he do that? How will he do that? How will he act for his name? Verse 24. I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone and your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and careful to obey my rules. Here it is. Point number two. God will place his spirit within his people to reflect his glory. God will place his spirit within his people to reflect his glory. 
First of all, what God is going to always do is going to keep his promises. His steadfast love endures forever. He promised that this land would be God's people's land for the descendants of Abraham and he will bring them back into the land. He will take his people from foreign nations and put them back into the land he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's not all he's gonna do. He's gonna clean them up. He's gonna cleanse them. Remember, Ezekiel is prophesying this when they are in Babylon in exile and Jerusalem has been burned. He's telling the people, look, our God is not done with you. He's gonna cleanse them from their filth. And then he's gonna give them a new heart, one that's not cold or hardened to their God. And just to make sure that they continue to walk with their God, he gives them a new spirit, not just any spirit, but his own spirit to cause you to walk in the ways of God. Here we go, right? Does this sound familiar? The God of the universe wants to save you from your rejection of him in your idolatry to make you clean, holy, and righteous and then wants to give you a heart to love your God and then others. He wants to put his own spirit inside of you so that you can obey him for one purpose so that his name will be known among the nations. Hello. Great commission. Right? God's people. I mean, in the Great Commission, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Go, make disciples of all nations. What, is that in Ezekiel chapter 36? I think so. God's people come alive. They hear the word of the Lord And right after this, God shows Ezekiel a picture of all this and how it happens. Just to make sure Ezekiel knows and we know how God does these things. And he takes Ezekiel to a valley. And the valley is filled with dry bones. And he asks him a question. Can these bones live? That's the question, right? Can these dead, dry bones live? And Ezekiel answered, oh, Lord God, you know. It's a pretty safe answer, right? I don't know, but you know. Then he said to me, verse 4 of chapter 37, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says The Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and you cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were sinews on them, flesh had come upon them, skin had covered them. 
but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You know what Jesus did when he's giving his disciples the great commission at the end of Mark or John? I can't remember it. But he says this. He breathed on them and the Holy Spirit came into them. When you think about what Jesus did with his disciples and the great commission and breathing on them, this is what God does with his people. Maybe you're wondering today if you're too far gone. Maybe you're asking yourself, can these dry bones live? Can these dry bones live? Can I return from my exile? Can the Lord ever use somebody like me? Can he ever love me again? I don't feel anymore. I've lost my way, I've grown cold. And yet the Lord says to you, today I will bring life to your dead bones because I will breathe upon you. I will breathe new life into you. You will be a new creation by my spirit so that you can reflect God's glory. He wants to bring you back to how you were created to be. He wants to cleanse you, to make you holy and place his spirit within you. Deuteronomy 14.2 says this. This is Moses talking with God's people. And he says this way back when, when he, he covenanted with them. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of your earth. He has chosen you. There's no accident you were here you are here this morning. It's no accident that you are hearing the gospel proclaimed. You may never have heard it before, but you are hearing it today. And how Does he bring you back? How does he do it? He does it through his work. He came, he paid the price for your sin. He washed you clean and forgave your sin through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Then he gave you a new heart, a regenerate heart, one that loves God if you place your faith in Christ one that lives for God and then he doesn't leave you alone he gives you the power the guide in all truth so that you may be able to walk with your God it's called the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit transforms your life God does the work in you he is bringing about his glory through your transformation you're not the finished product no We won't be on this earth, but he is transforming you into his image 
2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He is transformed into the same image. He's transforming you into his own image. And he does that through his Spirit. Our role in all of this is to allow the spirit of the living God to come into our life by humbling ourselves, knowing that we need Christ for salvation and asking him to transform our life. And then we are led by the spirit from a humble submission to Jesus Christ. Until we reach glory, that we may reflect his name among the nations. Verse 28, you shall dwell in the land that I gave you, your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I love this. Who is your God? Are you his people? This is our third point this morning. God will be with his people. God will be with his people. I think that's the story of Ezekiel. The throne of God, the glory of God are on wheels. He goes to Babylon. He speaks to Ezekiel. Why? Because he will be with his people. He loves his creation. He wants to be with them. He came down to earth and he dwelt among men. He tabernacled among us so that we could be with him. He died on the cross so that we could have the Holy Spirit of the living God indwelling in his people. And there's something about being in relationship with God of the universe that brings about a purpose-driven life. Your life matters. It matters in the kingdom of God. It matters to our God. So how you live, how you walk, what you do, what you say matters in the kingdom of God and his name. When God is your God and you are his people. God's plan has always been to return to the garden. Verse 33, it says this, Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I will cleanse you from the iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places, replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. He doesn't want you to live in the desert. Why wander around in desolate places? 
you can lie down in green pastures, right? Ezekiel not only points us to when God will bring his people back into the land, that they will be rebuilt the temple in the days of Nehemiah, which we'll get to at some point. But then God will himself come among his people, to dwell among them, take on flesh, to die on a cross so that the Holy Spirit can live inside of you. We'll walk around on this earth reflecting the glory of God, but we will be imperfect until we reach glory. He makes all things new, right? Because we're in this flesh. This flesh is dead. The spirit is alive. But Ezekiel also points us to a future time when all things will be made new. Ezekiel 37, 27 says this, My dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. At the end of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 48, 35, he talks about this city. And he says, and the name of the city from that time shall be the Lord is there. Amen? Our God wants to dwell with his people. No matter how far you've gone away from the Lord, no matter how far into sin you are, our God wants to dwell among you. He wants to be in your life, leading and guiding and directing by his spirit. And he's given you a way to do that through the precious blood of Jesus on the cross. And your response is to surrender, to repent of going your own way, making your own gods and deciding Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. To believe upon Christ is to say, I forsake all other ways and I trust in Christ for my salvation and I trust in God that he will change me through his spirit. Jesus' blood now cleanses you You're giving a new life, one that is led by the Holy Spirit of God so that you can reflect his glory. This is the basics of truth, yet is complicated, and we're seeing it from the passage of Ezekiel. So now it's time for you, your invitation, your response. What is the Lord calling you to do? to turn from your sin, to put your faith in Christ, maybe for the first time. Maybe it's to identify with Jesus through baptism in which you say, I'm willing to show everybody else that I'm a follower of Christ. And maybe you suppress the Holy Spirit, you've quenched the Spirit in your life, you don't feel God And yet you know that he is there. Repent and ask the Lord 
to change your heart, to bring you back from the desolate places to the green pastures, to the still waters, to restore your soul. Because that's what he wants to do for his name. Not for yours, but for his. Will you do that this morning? I'm gonna pray for you. And at the end of the prayer is a time of invitation. You can come down front and you can pray. We have pastors down here that will pray over you and counsel with you. We will share with you what it looks like to believe upon Christ and we will actually pray with you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Don't be scared about everybody looking at you or whatever. This is between you and the Lord. It's a time for you to reflect upon his word in your life. Block everybody else out. Do what the Lord has called you to do. The altar is open up front for prayer, counseling, ministry, whatever you need. Father, we thank you for this people. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word and your truth that is so freeing, that it's not about us. It's not about our goodness. It's not about our work. It's about you. Help us to remind ourselves that we are in this for your glory. Nothing more. That we just are obedient people because we love our God. And really you have given us that love. And we express that today. Lord, be with those who are not saved in this room, that they would come to an understanding that they are needing to take a step of faith. We pray for those who are living in the desert, in desolate places. We pray that they are in need of the fresh, refreshing, living water that only comes from you. Pray that you would, that they would ask for a drink. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you stand and we'll sing.